Hello, greetings. Yes, wow. Welcome to episode three of the Conscious Awesome podcast. It's a good one today. It's a really good one. I'm excited about this, Danny. Me too, Justin. I am. We're going to talk about the magic of synchronicity. I know that you know what we're talking about. I know that you know that we know what we're talking about. We're all in this together. We're all sharing these experiences. And, you know, Danny and I are are thinking about what makes the conscious awesome life. What makes consciousness awesome? What? I mean, that's really kind of at the base of this. (laughs) Totally. And how do we make it more awesome? How do we expand the awesome? Yeah, there, there is, uh, there's kind of this residual, uh, like spiritual shanti piece uh, when with the word consciousness, and that's not always uh, that's not always what I'm looking for in an expansion of consciousness. I like going to a yoga class and having that expansion feeling, um, or going to a meditation or listening to like a dharma talk, and that that definitely has its place and has been a great tool. This is different. Conscious Awesome is different. Well, and we're I in a different box. We're in a totally different box. And of course our box includes that piece. And where I went when I heard you say that is like a lot of times the expansion of my consciousness comes from observing something that isn't like all light and love and wonderful. You know, it's like seeing a shadow that I've been playing out or a distortion and that knowingness and integration is what's expanding my consciousness. And that could be kind of gritty sometimes. Totally. And one of the greatest tools that we have for knowing that we're on the that path of seeing the truth of it. When we know that we are... Um, making progress towards some type of evolutionary moment in our consciousness. Uh, That tool is is synchronicity. Synchronicity! What is it? I love that that word was not in the lexicon. It was not, uh, it wasn't, uh, I don't want to say Googleable, but it was, it wasn't in in dictionaries uh, maybe like a decade ago. Really? I don't think it was because I, I, well, I, I, I only say that because when I would type synchronicity, the autocorrect would think I would I wanted to say synchronized or um, synchrono. So it would be something other than synchronicity, which is right. the word that I was intending to use. Right. And to be fair, autocorrect also doesn't acknowledge the word fuck, which is another amazing word. Oh, sorry. We, we chose the not E version of our podcast. <laughs> We have now crossed over. We've entered the but, land. You know, I, I don't think that we shouldn't have these boundaries. We don't have these boundaries when speaking about consciousness and about awesomeness because um, it is all-encompassing. And uh, sometimes the word fuck has an intentionally very, very appropriate space. Totally. It makes sense that the Matrix wouldn't acknowledge synchronicity because – when we're in alignment with the higher forces on multidimensional planes, which is when we manifest synchronicity, we're not enslaved to ideas of disempowerment or debt or crappy self-esteem or other things that drive the matrix. 
Yeah, there's a transcending moment in the synchronicity. I have some interesting thoughts about how the, the structure behind the scenes of how the synchronicity happens. Right, like what are the mechanics uh, of the multiverse? Yeah, I mean, there, there's an eye in. Uh, there's an eye in, and there's also a little peephole that we get to look into when time becomes timing. And Ooh. essentially what, what, what I observe through synchronicity is that we have gone out of this static time, even though time has a progression uh, in the way that we culturally accept it, there, you can step out of time. You can have timeless moments. Time can speed up and slow down. And so there are descriptors and dimensions of time that are not acknowledged by the matrix or acknowledged by culture. Um, that's starting to change. And part of us being in this conscious awesome and creating this conscious awesome podcast is specifically to bring more of that to light. Oh, and, oh. Uh, a ho to that timing. Timing is more potent and more powerful than time, and we know that. You know that. How are you space. differentiating between them? Time and timing. Yes. Time has a. Um, hmm, that is a great question. That's a great question, Danny, my co-host. <laughs> Uh, let me start with timing, because timing has an activity. There's an action oriented to it. Um, it's a gerund. Grammatically, uh, a gerund, exactly. Uh, is it gering or gerund? Gerund, G-E-R-U-N-D. I pronounce it gerund. Gerund. A gerund is when there's an I-N-G. Correct. An actioning. Correct. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Um Yes, so to actionable, to make a gerund of the word time brings it more, uh, there's more interaction with it. Instead of time mm. flowing and either you're on time or you're late or you're, you know, ahead of time, it's, there's more of a, of timing implies that you are present with time. Right. And like also there, that you're, are you also having an effect on it? Like versus just being a victim of it, it feels a little bit more proactive. Like there's more agency in timing. Yes. There's more agency in okay. timing. Timing is the fourth dimensional, uh, well, I guess time is the fourth dimension to transcend time and to transcend that fourth dimension and enter the fifth dimension is where everything is timing, manifesting instantly. Okay, I've heard, and part of, there's a part of me that kind of thinks it knows what that means because I've heard it before. And then there's of course the larger part of me because I have a third dimensional brain. that's like, I don't really know what that means. And I have one of my favorite de definitions of time is that it is a fourth dimensional measure of synchronicity. That synchronicity is, in fact, the real deal truth of what time is at its fundamental fourth dimensional level. I, too, with you, hear that. <laughs> and I go, yes, I know that to be true. That resonates. And uh, it's a mouth, it's, it's, a, it's a brain full to conceptualize. Right. right. This is what happens when two air signs start talking abstractions. <laughs> 
Here we go. We have liftoff. <laughs> uh, yes. So that uh, that transcending or that fourth dimensional piece. Let's let's define. Let's unpack that a little bit because our our three dimensions are are generally the material world. Correct. And our fourth dimension, the experience of the fourth dimension, or you know, fourth dimension is time. Uh, dimensions are expansive and very much uh, holding many different interpretations and perspectives of of concepts. What's popping into my mind uh, as you're saying this, and I hadn't had this thought before, um, is that Burning Man is like a little fourth dimensional pod on this planet. And because think of the synchro like synchronicities are so abundant there. It's such a different experience of timing there. I wonder if it's possible to go to Burning Man, you know, for, for more than a 24 hour period and not have firsthand experience of synchronicity. I mean, I went to Burning Man for just a 24 hour period, which you remember because you're part of that particular burn. And it was still a wash with synchronicity. Well, synchronicity was leading up to it. That's and that's true. kind of an interesting that's piece, true. right? Because that's that concept of your trip starts when you buy the ticket um, or your workshop starts when you buy the ticket. I mean, I feel like when it comes um, to Burning Man, it's like, I mean, all those synchronicities started in that particular one before the ticket was even uh, nabbed or before I had a ticket. Just like the knowingness that I was there. There are there. forces. Yeah. There are pronoic forces. Pronoic forces acting on your behalf oh God, I love that so much. Uh, to edge you and, and tip you and nudge you into, into your synchronicity and into perfect timing. I, I'm a firm believer that the universe is consistently inviting us into perfect timing. Does that mean any resistance shows up as any resistance shows up as, as us living outside of our, optimal or outside 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 of our of our truth in a lot so of does ways. that mean that you think it's possible to live outside of divine timing that like when we're micromanaging or doubting or resisting that we're taking ourselves out of divine timing or is divine timing still operating just in a different less fun way it's it's a parallel universe right. so so yes we can operate with our attention and our con our our consciousness can be focused and, you know, giving 99% of itself to uh, some kind of culture conforming paradigm that, that is not serving divine timing or, you know, it's, it's not aligned. It's erratic in its relatedness to divine timing. And the di divine timing is always there to dip your toe into or just, dive in completely it takes a lot of trust it, that's our conscious choice it takes a lot of trust i feel like like i've noticed a lot of times for me divine timing synchronicity like that particular alignment that we were talking about happens when i slow down when i resist the urge to rush things or to control things or that they should go like there's much more i feel like when i'm more receptive um to taking cues from the universe that tends to amplify the synchronicities that I experience. But then again, as, as I'm saying that I'm like, no, that's not true. Cause sometimes I'll have an idea and it's like act immediately. 
And that's what kicks in the synchronicity. Like the universal. It's, it's the responsiveness. Yes, responding swiftly and immediately and trusting um, the guidance, even if my intellect hasn't yet wrapped itself around it. I realize I just contradicted myself and I feel great about it. <laughs> Don't worry, nothing's yes. under control. Don't worry. Nothing's yes. under control. Mountain time, um, it's 221 on 221. So this is a, right? Ooh, Let's take a moment to acknowledge In Pacific time, it's your ah! birthday. It's wonderful on so many, <laughs> in so many states. <laughs> This is a this is an example of playing totally. with time, and that's you know this is something that I, we're going to touch in in a little bit is is using numbers and using uh, using the numbers associated with time as a check in of synchronicity because we can start to collect synchronicities, and I, I believe you had told me um, you had told me at some point, and maybe it was even just last week, uh, how you used to keep a synchronicity journal yes. and document when you were when you were in divine time I did time. and I I started that um I was doing it with a friend we were synchronicity accountability buddies and the gist was the thought was like the more that I acknowledged them and and noted them I think young actually recommended this um then the universe would would understand that I was recognizing them and that I was grateful and that I was respectful of these synchronicities and thus amp them up. It's also why I got really into Ormus. Like both were the same, had the same goal, which was to experience more synchronicities. And what's your direct experience of Ormus? Um, my direct experience of Ormus is that it can sometimes make me feel high. It um, <laughs> is in my skin serum and is having a wonderful effect on my radiant complexion. Um, I know that I was told that it amplifies synchronicity and I don't know. I mean, I tend to experience a lot of synchronicity and magic in my life. So I, I, I can't honestly say that that was what was happening. I, I remember the first time someone explained Ormus to me, it was, uh, it was chi, the energy for the force of energy chi in physical form okay like in a physical in its simplest physical form and in that way when i heard that i heard oh this is a doorway to chi this is something i can imbibe in the 3d that is actually a a doorway to uh other that, dimensional that is experiences how I like it. being high yeah i have I have varying experiences personally with Ormus where most of the time I, I, I don't notice a shift. I don't, I mean, I, I'm, and maybe it's an expectation. Maybe I, I have this idea that I'm going to be tapping into something. Do you take something. it with a clear intention like uh, other entheogens? Yes, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm intentional about it because the first because of how it was presented to me the first time I, I heard about it. And I also I think there are different qualities and there are different signatures of different Ormus uh, that because you know, sometimes Ormus can be naturally cultivated, say, um, from like a, a natural spring, there may be 
at the mouth of the spring, there can be these crystalline form right. formations that are, are at least I'm told, high in Ormus. I'm not even really sure how that's measured. Um, okay, before we get too off topic, as much as I love the Ormus conversation, I'm curious, given <laughs> the abundance of synchronicities that I know color both of our lives, when I when the topic comes up, like what are what's the top synchronicity, like the most exciting thing that just pops into your mind that you've experienced? Oh, that's so, that's so good. Um, I think if you ask me that at different times of, of the course. day on different days, um, I'll have totally different answers. But right now, the, the thing that first struck me uh, was, is where I'm sitting, which is in my office slash yes shop in Santa Cruz. And, you know, there was a yeah, it was like in the morning, I was thinking, you know what, I really want to downsize my office space. I don't need 1,100 square feet. Uh, I want to outsource the pieces that, that I don't need to be doing here. And um, you know, for, for, for the chocolate, for, for getting the chocolate to the people. And I had this thought, and I was like, you know, it would be great. Like, really, I think I only need like 300 square feet. Um, and it'd be great if it was in a place where people, where I would see people on a regular, you know, like I, I would have social interactions. I didn't know it was going to be a shop. I, you know, but I was like, I, I want to be in a community. I want to feel that vibe. I'd like it to be downtown or at least close to downtown so I can have walking or biking access to, you know, the different places. And then I thought I'm going to go to my favorite coffee shop. And so I go to the coffee shop. I mentioned, I order my uh, I probably got like a coconut and cream that day because that's what I really like to get here. It's mm -hmm. like an orange zest on top. And I mentioned to the to the owner of the coffee shop, who's a friend of mine, hey, Brayden, I, um, I'm looking for an office around here. Um, if you hear of anything, let me know. That's all I said. And he said immediately, he's like, hey, Steve, the guitar shop guy, he's been there for eight years. He's moving out. Uh, you should go check that space out. And within 30 seconds, I was looking at this space that was 300 square feet with windows wrapped around in the middle of a community that's not only uh, like it, it is established, but it is in an upswing of you know, there's a lot of action that's happening here. Um, and it has a little kitchen in the back for R&D. And the, like, it was like so instant, like I spoke some intention and then I had let it go and um, and just gone to the coffee shop because I was going about my day. And just the synchronicity of that moment Is that a manifested. synchronicity or is that so actually, a manifestation based on a clear visualization? Or are they the same? I think a synchronicity is a piece of a manifestation that it's like a tenet. It's like uh, in order for something to manifest you got to sprinkle the synchronicity dust on it. Like there are certain things, because things manifest all the time. Is that manifesting in accordance with your personal divine timing? Or is that, are you just witnessing See, something I manifesting? Like, I don't know. I'm going to differ um, with you a little bit. I feel like synchronicities can sprinkle the manifestation process and are often a sign that things are manifesting. 
And I also think that manifestation is possible without synchronicity. And I also feel like synchronicities happen not related to manifestation, um, just as like, you know, just extra sprinkles of loveliness upon our incarnation slash I take them to, as signs as I'm in alignment. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that, um, on all of those pieces. Um, then I think that the easiest, easiest low-hanging fruit for, for just a naked synchronicity uh, would be the frequency at which I look at the clock and it has either 11.11 or 5.55 or 620, which is my birthday. You know, just looking at time, um, at the time stamp, and for whatever, for whatever reason, whatever I was thinking at that moment, and then I look at the clock, I go back to whatever I was thinking as an affirmation. I'm like, okay, that, that mm. thought that led me to that moment has a nugget of, of truth. Oh, I'm putting like that, that in my that's special an pocket. That's interesting. I'm, I'm interested to hear... Yeah, the meaning that we ascribe to our synchronicities. Because I do the same with the numbers. And I take them to mean I'm alignment, all is fine. Um, but I, ha I don't think that I have consistently made the connection to what I was thinking or doing in the, in the moment, unless it's something I'm having misgivings about. I will often take those moments as, as an opportunity to say a prayer, a blessing, drop into a manifestation, intention, something. I feel like it's like a sign from the universe of like, hey, I'm listening, we're in this together. And I'm like, cool, as long as I have your attention. <laughs> Let's do this thing too. Like, oh, by, right. by the way, I, I have this manifestation uh, project <laughs> exactly. that I'm working on right now. Exactly. Um, I think that, uh, I think that there's, there's a little bit more room we can push into here for synchronicity because they're the the easiest experience i think for most people or the most commonly referred synchronicity would be the time piece because time is just so relevant i think another culture. one is when we're thinking uh, of someone and we run into them or they call exactly exactly that that is a really interesting one uh, because it involves another person right, but, altogether. I mean, even though the other is illusion, uh, um, you know, it's like, you know, there, there, well, there is no other person, but that kind of fusing of two people's rhythms yes. in the same moment is a, there's a magic, there's a currency an energy to I mean, you can get your energy from food and from sleep and from exercise and sunlight, and you can also get your energy from that. I get so much energy from that. And then and when it happens, my mind goes to, as we were talking about earlier, like what are the mechanics of the multiverse that allowed that to happen? Like how many invisible forces worked together for that particular time space meeting? You know, like, are there invisible devas who are like nudging traffic and inviting us to like pause and look at this tree so that we'll, eat? do you know what I'm saying? Like all of the factors that have to align for that exact convergence of those two different autonomous beings in the very same moment. 
It's a really fascinating matrix. I think there's actually a formula for it. I think that it can be mathematically represented. Maybe it has to do with the God particle. Um, formula. Does it have to do with the God? I mean, doesn't everything I think have to Homer do with the God particle it. since the God in particle the is in everything? Yes. <laughs> yes. Everything. Uh, yes. Uh, I remember hearing, actually, this was at my first Burning Man. I was talking to this guy, uh, oh, Raven. Oh, our Raven, who I think who's now the well. combo guy in Colorado? I didn't know that that's where he was. I, yeah, I just knew him as a film Raven. director. Yes, exactly. Rodeo Grounds Raven, who invited me to come to, uh, to hang out with him and to stay with him at the Rodeo oh, Grounds yeah. before we met. This was uh, like three or four years before we met. And I was going to be in L.A. And he said, um, oh, you can, you can stay with us. And for whatever reason, I didn't know mm -hmm. what Topanga was. Like I, to me, that wasn't part of what Los Angeles was. And so it was more convenient. Uh, uh, it was more convenient to stay wherever I was staying or with family that's or something. That's such an interesting example uh, of divine timing. But like obviously, it wasn't, it wasn't the right timing for that for us to meet, for you to go to the rodeo grounds, because it didn't happen. But maybe I also wasn't mm -hmm. listening to my divine timing, and I was opting for convenience, which is often, that's often what is pulling us out of our divine timing totally. is opting and for also, convenience. And also, well, a, a generalized unconsciousness around what we're used to, right? which is generally the more comfortable, like, oh, I'm used to staying with yes. this person in this neighborhood. And so often we'll defer to just how we usually do it and then miss out on so much magic. So much magic. You know, a lot of the times the responsibilities that we put on ourselves, and I say that intentionally that we put on ourselves, uh, are distracting us from, you know, from being in the magic more often. And that, you know, there there are definitely people like um, like Natan, like my father-in-law, who I feel was very committed. Uh, I witnessed him being very committed to letting go of those three D responsibility slash obligatory things, and just really leaning into the magic and into prayer, and leaning into into his mm. conversation with the divine. Uh, and, and, and what is the result of that? Yeah, totally. A mystic. You know, like, there's a reward in that. And I don't think, you know, you can keep one foot in and one foot out, but I, I think that in some ways that's a disservice because you start tasting what's available in the magic, like through the synchronicity portals. You start tasting that, and then, you know, we have... Um, you know, one foot in in the 3D and one foot in. No, actually, you know what? I think for some, I'm going to take that back because I think there's an appropriate relationship for each person in totally. this particular incarnation. Totally, I agree. Like every, we all have different um, different dharma, different karma, different reasons to be here. And actually, to pull us through the rodeo yeah. grounds back to Raven and my first Burning Man, he was explaining to me this experiment. Um, that was conducted with uh, a bunch of, they had like 
you know, selected a you know, randomly. I'm, I'm using my air quotes again. This is just going to be a commonplace on, on every episode. Uh, <laughs> randomly selected people of all ages and skill sets um, and dressed everyone in black and put these white dots on their clothing, mm -hmm. uh, maybe like at joints and stuff, maybe like hips and shoulders or maybe on the arms. And had everyone on one stage, one platform. And I, in my mind, there were like 26 people. So it was like a, a lot of people, kids, adults, everything in between. And they just had everyone move, just be in movement in however you feel. Like, don't, don't, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, just move your body. You know, I don't, I don't know that there was music being played. I don't think there was because that would be a, that would be a little, that would be a, a, a totally. rhythm factor that would be unifying people. And they, then they recorded the orientation of those dots. And then there was a formula for knowing where those dots would be at oh, any okay. given time. So there was time. no random, there was no randomness. So there was no random. And it was based on the science of, of some, some scientist out of Russia, like, you know, 800 years ago or something like that. And I, I, you know, I'm, I've been meaning, I should ask, I'm going to ask Raven about that. I really want, I want to know if he remembers that. Um, it's probably easier to find now than it was in 2004 mm -hmm. with uh, the, a thing. the internet. <laughs> I feel like for sure there's a, um, there are formulae for synchronicity because it goes back to like, the limitations of our senses and our third dimensional percep perception, which so many people buy into and thus are limited to only believing in material materialist reality. But I feel like these synchronicities are clues that there's something so much larger at play and that on whatever dimensional level wherein that becomes clear, where that's laid out, my sense is that, yes, it's operating with some sort of reliable formula that's my gut sense i don't know i'm not a multi-dimensional physicist that i'm aware of in this dimension <laughs> i do have but a you gut do sense. have a gut sense well it's, you do have a gut sense which does account for a lot of well, there's, there's a lot of intelligence noticing in that. where i'm at in my life and how i'm showing up when i am experiencing a lot of synchronicity and it's generally like there's a lightness, there's a surrender, there's a fluidness, there's a playful quality. Like when I'm, you know, when I've historically been hard on myself or like in a blue place, I'm not experiencing a ton of synchronicity. You know, when I'm in a contracted place, when I'm expansive and excited and grateful to be here, then I'm experiencing a lot of synchronicity. So just the fact that like me changing my own internal mood and attitude tends to shift how much synchronicity I am experiencing is a sign that there's like a science to it. It's not random. And I think that there's an agency there. Like we have some agency in that. And I think part of, you know, part of what we can do um, as human beings is bring our attention through a specific lens, be that lens gratitude or a specific yeah. energy, um, when I was studying the uh, Mayan calendar system, uh, it was fascinating to me because 
there, and it's probably been contorted a bit, but there, as far as I can tell, were something like 20 28. or 26 different calendars, 28 different calendars that were measuring different time mm-hmm. cycles and paces of time. Because, you know, back back in the day, if you guys remember, back in the day, uh, we when we had villages, we, we didn't really leave the village. That was the center of the universe. We were a little bit, um, you know, space kind of owned us. The center of the village is the center of the universe. Like, you, you didn't necessarily, most people didn't go uh, on an airplane. But then there were also, like, nomadic itinerant so. tribes, um, like Bedouins and whatnot. Not to be contentious, it's just been up for me. <laughs> no doubt. Well, if I, I go, um, and true, true that, there's been a lot of different styles of human community uh, and tribal community. But in the Mesoamerican uh, orientations, there was, there was like a hearth. There was a center, please. There was a, geography played a really important role in where, uh, where they were sourcing their power. You know, hence uh, the pyramids and and the different uh, river systems, and really like in you know the river systems being also snakes in mythology that also mirrored constellations. There was a mm-hmm. a significance to their space, and because they were uh, in service of their space or really captive by space, they they had flexibility and ability to time travel, you know, hence prophecies, hence understanding different cycles of time. We today, uh, in modern culture, we have the opposite, where we're captive of time, well, but we can move around in space enslaved. pretty much at will. They weren't enslaved I could be on by our bullshit calendar, which was intentionally created to have us off kilter. Like, they were free, they were sovereign, they weren't distracted, they were taking entheogens, they were animistic. So they were relating with this reality construct in such a different way. Almost I will say that when I was out, because I also had a pretty deep Mayan calendar phase in my life. um, And I had this like physical game of like tracking all of the days and the moons and the whatnot. Um, And I had such a, a... an expansive increased, so many increased incidences of synchronicity when I was following that calendar. And that was actually a big piece of that community was like how much more synchronicity we were generating by following um, the moon calendar, the 28 day, you know, 13 moon cycle. I a hundred percent agree. I have the same experience where the more I was paying attention to uh, specifically to the Mayan calendar, I was living yeah, in a that's so, constant I totally forgot about that until just now. And yeah, I mean, there are so many tools available, and you know, you, you kind of you, you got to find what is resonant for you. Uh, I remember, you know, because because that lens can overlay on on just about any system. The way that I was using the Mayan calendar was just paying attention to what the day was called. Maybe it was called a, a red rhythmic skywalker. Maybe it was called a blue electric storm. And there were like these different tones and seals that would 
indicate exactly. the energy that the day was exactly. bringing based on time cycles. And, um, you know, be a, a, as kind of, actually, I don't know if for our listeners that's going to sound out there, but I, I think that having any kind of structure like that, some kind of boundaried energy for the day, my eyes would start to see see through that lens. And it was like a game I'd play with finding out where that energy was resonant with with the lens. Like, well, how is the day uh, manifesting this calendar? And through looking at that lens, all of these synchronicities would appear. And then that would give me more energy, more expansiveness. And then whatever else I was doing was being bolstered well, and catalyzed I'm getting by this calendar is that, And especially since, and I love that we were both, because it was before we met that we were both into the 13 moon Mayan calendar, which I think is awesome. But I think there's something to the structure. And like, again, True. Like that we're living in such a distorted, the Gregorian calendar is such a distortion of real time. So there was the structure of the Mayan calendar that allowed us to really tap in to a more harmonious alignment with the natural multidimensional forces that resulted in more synchronicities. And I think similarly, like on a smaller scale, like just the way you and I track time, the numbers in time, it's just another way of telling the universe, like, hey, we're a game to play this way. And I think the more that we that we show up for that type of play, the more the universe, because I feel like the universe just wants to collaborate with us so much, and synchronicity is a great way to do it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like the beginner's portal. It's like you can enter it with very little experience in any kind of esoteric studies or and without having to do a lot of homework and I think it's a very easy doorway totally and I, to I think it, this just popped into my mind as well is like it's a way for the universe to give us breadcrumbs because we know it's not like the universe speaks in words to our minds you know I, well actually it does but but that's a different realm but I feel like it's like follow this path because as I mentioned to you like there was this ecstatic there's an ecstatic dance in Taos this Saturday that I'd had on my radar because my friend is DJing but my thought was like I don't know if I want to go all the way to Taos and then synchronistically my friend who's a priestess who lives in Taos asked if I would dog sit for her Saturday night and I'm like okay that's interesting like the universe clearly wants me in Taos and cut to like there's this new cute guy on my radar who is opening a retreat center at Ojo Caliente and asked if I was available to meet up with him in Taos this weekend. So I feel like these synchronicities are like, the universe clearly wants me in Taos. And now I'm excited because I'm like, what other awesomeness is waiting for me there? Like, I feel like I'm about to step into like a really cool 5D adventure. I, 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 A, I love that. And B, C, D all the way through, this is the conscious awesome that's that this is like the commitment of conscious awesome is to be in totally. in totally. collaboration like when my with friend essentia asked me energy. to dog sit in taos when i it was already on my radar the decision was made at that point my intellect or my preference was out because i'm like okay this is the universe is in charge right now like the timing of it is too on the nose for me to get in the way. If I were to say no or to even be like, oh, I need to think about it, I feel like I would be perving 
this larger flow that the universe is blessing me with, you know, like a, like an awesome wave that I get to surf. Yeah. The wave of Zavuya, <laughs> as one might say, the waves. Of, that's exactly. It's such a fun practice. It's so, uh, it's so something that could just be taught and framed and boundaried for, ch- you know, for children at a young age or in school. But, you know, I don't, I don't know that I school is necessarily going to lead in that, that direction. If there was like a whole but, synchronicity you know, class or course of study, and then the students tried different structures, came up with new structures to amplify synchronicity. It's a field of study that has not really been, in, at least in this culture, I think other cultures have really developed it. It's a field of study that would that does a lot Slash quality for, of life, just like uh, enjoyment, fun, um, awe, you know, keeping like awe and wonder alive. Ah, so. I feel like we barely scratched the surface and we're 41 minutes in. So good. True, true. And I think this could be, uh, this is an ongoing topic. Essentially, in this first season of Conscious Awesome, we're just touching on bits and pieces on breadcrumbs of yeah. Conscious Awesome thought and Conscious Awesome lifestyle. And um, obviously, we'll come back in and loop back in to, uh, you know, through stories and through interviews. At least we'll have the reference points and definitions and, and, and in, also initial rumblings from season one. As far as all of our listeners listening to this particular episode, I'm curious to know, upon listening to it, what synchronicities pour in on the, on the flip side? Exactly. Just being, just by being aware of it, because you could listen to a lot of different podcasts right now. There's a, there's a lot of things you could be listening to, uh, but you chose this one right now, and you're totally. listening to it. So, and uh, do we have like a note section where people can send us their their post show synchronicities? I feel like that'd be super fun. We can have one. That would be fun. Okay, let's do it. We'll put a link in the show notes that allow you to, uh, or that invite your uh, synchronistic experiences. And I, I will I will put a caveat or a permission slip that doesn't it doesn't matter the quality of it. You know, just noticing that it appears is valuable. And uh, sometimes, and I, I realized this when I first started understanding the concept of synchronicity, and I, I wonder if this is true for you as well, is my excitement around it. Uh, I, I, I would sh- want to share with someone like, oh my God, this thing just happened. It was amazing. And if that person didn't quite understand the dynamic of what a synchronicity oh, was, totally. they look at me like I was a crazy person. Like, why are you getting excited about something that was like, normal i'm like exactly this is like the text i sent you last thing. weekend it's when everywhere. my my grocery bill came up to 777 and the guy behind me in line was someone who got it and we both screamed at the same time in excitement <laughs> it was like my people <laughs> <laughs> oh see there are the numbers in again and the numbers on registers and receipts and like those kinds of things time yeah 
So synchronicity is, it, it transcends time. And I think, uh, you know, I, I do want to touch on this just to bring it back to the Mayan calendar and that my, my summation of that, of that period of deep dive and inquiry was that by following the lens, by having the lens of the energy of the day and looking through that and collecting those synchronicities, I was bringing Ooh. myself into timing outside of whatever I thought was supposed to be I happening. And I was bringing myself into timing. And by being in timing, I was moving through, I was living concurrently in the third and the fourth dimension consciously. And by combining those two, like by, by manifesting, like by basically by bringing the mastery of the fourth dimension into the groundedness of the third dimension, that's when the manifestations of the fifth dimension started to be really, really interesting. And I think okay. that's a I love that's a that. And I love that you brought it back episode. to the concept of timing. Way to wrap that up so neatly. You rock. <laughs> I rock. I rocky. I am partially Iraqi. Mm, thank you, Jacqueline. <laughs> thank you, Conscious Awesome. Thank you, DK. Uh, thank yes, you to our listeners you, for tuning in and having collecting. a blast with us. Yes, indeed. Um, check out our show notes for more, and we'll see you next time.